Good evening, everybody. Uh, as most of you know, we have some visitors in the crowd, but as most of you know, we're continuing our uh, passage study in 2 Corinthians. Uh, and this passage is 2 Corinthians 11, 5 through 15, as we just read. So uh, I guess we'll go ahead and jump into it. Uh, there's a lot in this passage, a lot of verses, but it kind of has a common theme throughout it, except for in the middle where he transitions out of nowhere, but we'll get into that later on. Um, but we'll go ahead and start uh, reading verse 5 again. It says, For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Now remember what's going on in this book, in this chapter. He's talking about these uh, false apostles that were accusing Paul, that uh, saying he wasn't a real apostle, saying that he wasn't doing God's work, and that they were doing God's work, and they were doing uh, Paul's work, basically taking credit for what he had done. And these false apostles were trying to persuade the Corinthian church that, uh, to sway them away from Paul's teaching so that they could follow their teaching and not Paul's. So he's saying here, I am not at all inferior even to the most eminent apostles. And, you know, we think about the most eminent apostles. We think, you know, the guys that walked with Christ throughout his ministry, you know, Peter, James, John, all those guys. And Paul says, even though I didn't do that, I'm still not inferior to them. I'm not better or worse than them. I'm not lesser or greater than them. We all have the same goal, the apostles. We all have the same goal, and we all have the same job that we're trying to perform. So I'm not, I don't consider myself inferior even to the most eminent apostles, is what he's saying there in verse 5. In verse 6, he says, Even though I'm an untrained, I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. He's saying, I don't, I don't consider myself inferior even though I'm untrained in speech. He's talked about several times how he was uh, weak in speech or the people that accused him said that, you know, his, his letters are heavy, but he's weak in speech. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, say the same stuff as in his letters. He's weaker in speech. But he says, even though I'm untrained in speech, I am not in knowledge. If you all remember, he, he trained with one of the greatest minds at the time. Uh, I can't remember his name for some reason now. But he trained with one of, the, one of the smartest people there. He trained, and he was very knowledgeable. You know, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the law inside and out. He was knowledgeable. And he said, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. He said, you already know this. You already know that I'm not great with speech, and you know that I'm knowledgeable, and you already know that I'm not lesser than any other apostle. That's what he's saying. He said, even though you, know all, you, you already know all these things, I don't have to explain that to you. That's basically what he's saying. Then in verse 7 is kind of where he transitions. He, a lot of commentaries I read said that he kind of changed out of nowhere. Like he went from one idea to another, which was kind of weird, but maybe he wasn't writing in the same day. Or maybe that's just Paul's way of writing. But in verse 7 he says, Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? Now I thought this was interesting. Because he said, Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted? Well, obviously that's not a sin. But apparently these false apostles were using this as, as a way to say that, see, he's not the right guy. He's not who he says he is because he humbled himself or he let you be exalted. That must be what they were saying. Because I preach the gospel of God to you free of charge. We don't like that, right? We like apostles and, and evangelists that would come here and we don't have to pay them. I mean, we do because that's what we're supposed to do. Or not what we're supposed to do, but it's what we want to do. We want to be able to support evangelists because we want them to do the work. But he said, I came to you, and you didn't have to pay a thing for me. Is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. Of course it's not wrong. 
it's not wrong for Paul to want to go to people and not have to worry about uh, them paying him. Well, number one, because false apostles and false teachers and all them would use that to say he's only doing this to get paid. He's only doing this for a paycheck. That's all he's doing this for. That's all he cares about. That's why he was paid when he was with you. But he said, I did this free of charge. You didn't pay me anything. And, and, uh, and this is something that he talked about before. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 18, it says, What is my reward then, that when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel? He said, My reward for doing this is that I preach the gospel to you. <laughs> it's that I preach the gospel to you, and it was without charge. You didn't pay me anything, that I may not abuse my authority. He did not want to be considered someone who abuses authority, and he did not want to take that risk. He didn't want to say, I have abused my authority. He didn't want to take that risk, so he did not get paid while he was in Corinth, while he was preaching to these people. In fact, in verse 8, he says, I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. This is an odd choice of words for an apostle. I robbed other churches. But what he's basically saying is, while I was working with you, there were other congregations that were paying me to work with you because you did not have to pay me. Even though I wasn't working for them at the time, they were still paying me to work for you. That's what he was saying when he said, uh, I've robbed other churches. Instead of asking money from the Corinthians so that he can continue to work there, he relied on other churches, and he'll bring up Macedonia, and I believe a commentary I read said Philippi was also a big hand in that. But he didn't take any money from Corinth to do the work there. And he wanted that to be absolutely clear that I did not take any money from y'all and I cannot be accused of being corrupt in this way because I didn't accept any money from you guys. In fact, I went to other or other congregations had to support me so I could work with you guys. And in verse 9, he says this is why he did it. When I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. But I just want to stop there for a second. I just want to point out that uh, I read Albert Barnes' commentary. And it said, he said uh, that part where he says, I was no, a burden to no one, but literally translate as, I did not lie as a dead weight upon you. <laughs> so basically, I didn't accept any money from y'all, and I was working the whole time. <laughs> basically what he's saying. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied, and in everything I kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so I will keep myself. He said, I was a burden to none of y'all. I didn't ask you for money. I didn't ask you for anything that I needed, food or clothing or anything like that. That all came from Macedonia. That all came from other churches, other congregations. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. He did not want to be a burden to anyone in Corinth because he was trying to preach the gospel there. He didn't want to impose himself. He didn't want to say, hey, guys, I've been doing this for you guys. I've been saving y'all. And I need some help. I need a place to stay. I need clothes. I need food, that kind of thing. He didn't want to do that because, number one, he didn't want to abuse his authority. Number two, he didn't want people accusing him for abusing his authority. Verse 10, it says, As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. And what, what he's saying there is, I won't stop talking about how I was not a burden to you because that's the truth. It's the truth that I was not a burden to you guys. It's the truth, and nobody can stop me from telling the truth. And he wanted to be absolutely sure that nobody could uh, accuse him of this because he's been telling them this all throughout Achaia. He's saying, I was not a burden to them. So no one there could say he was a burden to you guys because everyone knew he wasn't because that was the truth 
of Christ that was in him. As the truth of Christ was in him, he was saying these things. That was the truth, that he was not burdensome to anybody. In verse 11, it says, why? Because I do not love you? God knows. I think this is, this is either something that the false apostles were using. They were saying, either saying, oh, he doesn't accept money from you guys because he doesn't actually love you. That's why we accept money from you, because we actually care about what's going on in, in Corinth. Or maybe it was the church that was saying, well, he's not accepting money from us. He must not care that much about us. But either way, he was, sent, he was telling them, that's not the reason. It's not because I don't love you. It's not because I don't care about you guys. God knows why I do this. And he explains in verse 12, he says, But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. You remember what these apostle apostles were doing? They were saying, we're doing the exact same work as Paul is doing, but he's doing it wrong. We're doing it the right way. We're doing the exact same work as all the other apostles that walked with Christ, and we're actually doing it well. We're actually doing the right stuff. But Paul said, I didn't take money from you guys, not because I didn't love you, but because I wanted to set myself apart from those who are saying they're doing my work, but they're really just out to get your funds. Because that's what they were accusing Paul of doing. That's why he didn't accept money. But they, he told them, I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are. They're not like me. They're not doing the same things I'm doing. You know, these, these apostles, these false apostles may have been saying, you know, don't give us money, but they were sure accepting gifts probably. You know, if anything, the Corinthian brethren wanted to give them, sure, we'll take that. But Paul wouldn't accept any of it. He wouldn't accept any of it. He had to have help from other congregations to set himself and the rest of the apostles apart from these guys. To cut off their opportunity to be regarded just as the rest of the apostles are. To set them apart from him. Verse 13 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. They're, they've changed themselves. They've, they've made themselves mimic the actual apostles, but they do it just well enough that they can do whatever they want as well. They've, they've changed themselves. They transform themselves. They look like apostles. They sound like apostles, but they're deceitful and they're false. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. He said even Satan himself transforms himself. Even Satan can change and make himself look desirable, make himself look good, make himself look like an angel of light. So it's not that much of a stretch if human beings that work for Satan can change themselves as well, can make themselves look like us, to make themselves look like apostles just like the rest of us. But he's telling them these things so that they know the difference, so that they can tell the difference between those who are actually doing God's work, the actual apostles, and these deceitful workers of Satan who pretend to be apostles. That's pretty much the point of the entire book if you read it through. But especially in this passage, he's telling them, this is the difference between me and them. Or one of the differences, at least. So, what can we take away from this passage? This, this is the part where we talk about the lessons we can learn from this, the takeaway, things that we can apply to our life. And I think one of them is, check those who say they work for God because there are still false teachers today. 
there are still false prophets and even false apostles. In Mark 13, verse 22, this is Jesus talking. It says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Nobody's safe. Nobody's safe from the false teachers, from the false apostles. So we have to be careful. They will rise and they will show signs and wonders and they will deceive even the elect. That's what Jesus warned against, that there will be these guys, there will be false teachers, not just these false apostles in Corinth. That's not the only time this happened. In fact, throughout the New Testament, we talk, Paul and Peter and all those guys wrote about people who were false teachers already in the church. And it's no different today. 2 Peter 2 and verse 1 says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. These guys are bad news. These guys are bad news. They're, they'll be false teachers, and they'll bring in destructive heresies. Now, the reason he says destructive heresies is not bec it's because it not only does it destroy the false teachers, but it destroys everyone who follows them. That's why we have to be so careful when we're listening to teachers, when we're listening to people who have influence over us. We have to check them so we don't follow their destructive ways, so we don't follow their destructive heresies. 1 John 4 and verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We have to test with the things that we hear. We have to test the things that people tell us. I, I encourage you, even tonight, after this sermon, after this lesson, after church, take this home with you and study it out. Make sure I'm actually saying what I'm supposed to be saying. <laughs> Make sure I'm actually telling you what you need to hear, because... Many false prophets, I don't intend to be a false prophet, but if I say something wrong, I'm sure I want to know. So please go study it and find out whether these things are so, just like Berea did in Acts 17.10. It says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. And these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. This is how you test the spirits. This is how you test the things that you hear in, from the pulpit or from the radio or from uh, TV shows. Search the scriptures to find out whether these things are so. That's the only way we can decipher if something we hear is true or false, is if we know the scriptures. So we have to search the scriptures to find out whether these things are so. Test these teachers. Test these false prophets, these false apostles. That's what Paul was asking the Corinthian brethren to do in this passage. And that's what I'm asking you to do now. And what I'm asking everyone listening. Search the scriptures and find out whether the things that you hear from the church or from the radio or from TV is true. And if it's not true, don't follow it. If it is true, follow that. Those are the thoughts I had on this passage this evening. We haven't talked about the first principles of the gospel. We haven't really talked about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But if you've been studying things out, these things out for yourself, if you've been searching the scriptures, and you found the way to salvation, this is the time to enact that. This is the time to obey the gospel, to be baptized, to die to your sins, be buried with Christ, and to resurrect with a new life.
as a Christian. Or if you've been in the church and you feel as though, as though you're falling away or you, need, or you have a problem that you can't get rid of and you need the prayers of the church, this is the time to let us know. If either of these things or any of these things describe your situation currently, please let us know and come to the front while we stand and sing the invitation song.